Okay, we continue in our learning the Nefesh Shimshel. We are going to skip the uh, chapter that says Chashivos Amiros Korbanos because it's uh, not so substantive, so to speak. I'm not minimizing on it, but I'm trying to get exactly the most knowledge we can with the short time we have. So I'm going to go to the section that's called Korbanos on page Kufmem. And Rapinka says that the concept of korbanos has really two topics within it. One is the actual korbanos, the animal offerings that were brought in the Beis Hamikdash when it existed. That's one concept. The second concept is what we have today. This, like, so to speak, he calls like a baskol, a voice of heaven of the korbanos itself, as the Book of Hosea says, "Uneshalma parim sefaseno." And let our lips complete the service of the bulls. In other words, let we're going to say what was happening instead of doing it. Okay? So therefore, if we want to understand this part of tefillah and its essence of saying the karbanos, we have to first understand what is the significance of the actual service of the karbanos, which is an important aspect of Torah, and then we'll come to the idea that our lips can do as if what the korbanos were. Now again, it is clear that this is one of the aspects of prayer. And again, for some reason, korbanos in, in certain places have fallen into disuse. Although in the traditional synagogues, the palabatim, so to speak, would say korbanos. In the yeshivas, they would not say korbanos. They felt it was bittel uh, Torah because, yeah, to say korbanos properly should take 10 to 15 minutes. And that could be time of learning Torah. So I'm not going to get into um, that discussion. Um, and I remember when we were in yeshiva, we asked the Rosh Yeshiva, how come we don't say korbanos in the yeshiva? Because in the davening, they went from lolom yehe adam and went straight into... Uh, I don't even know if they did Rabbi Yishmael. That's the part we're talking about, the part that's before Rabbi Yishmael. Yeah, that whole 5, 10, 12 pages, all the different aspects of the Korbanos. And he said, well, yeah, at least you should say the Korban Tamid. So, but, but it never was, like the Chazan wouldn't say it out loud. But anyway, that's another subject I don't want to get into. Slowly, slowly, we're trying to get us used to this. We put the Korban Tamid in a number of years ago. Then during covid we put the Ketores in. So I appreciate the length of it, and many of us don't understand most of their prayers anyway, just to add another 10 minutes. So a person really wants to say Korbanos, you come 10 minutes earlier. Can you just say and it in English? You could say it in English, but it's still long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's long. At least they so those those who want to say Korbanos, you come earlier. Those who want to dive in a, a slower Sukkot uh, Zimra, you come earlier. So that that is... A separate issue. Certainly, we, in in the framework of what we've explained, that it fits into the stages of tefillah. This is a very important stage. Okay. Now, the early uh, rabbis, the Rishonim, you know, spent a lot of time trying to explain the concept of animal offering, and it is a very um, difficult, closed topic, very deep. The Nefesh Shachayim mentions from the Zohar 
that the animal offerings, they reach the highest point of the universe that one can reach, whatever that means. Um, the rabbis also say from all the mitzvahs, the one that gets to the highest root is the mitzvahs of bringing their korbanos. And to such a point that the dveikas you can achieve is so incredible that it can only happen when you are in Eretz Yisrael with all the perfection that it has. So there's, and as a matter of fact, there's a medrash, he doesn't bring it, that Moshe was given many difficult tasks from Hashem. It's very difficult to get the Jews out of Egypt. Those are difficult. got a lot of difficult tasks. So the hardest task was for him to explain to Jews the concept of Karbanos. Was the hardest one to explain. So uh, it, it clearly is not an easy thing. So if you reflect, we so can. It's interesting because at that time, they were used to the Goyim bringing yeah, but, offerings. We don't yeah, understand it at all. Yeah, but so 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 to understand why we're doing that, and it's not a Vodazor, and what is the benefit of it? Which is, you know, you understand as a Goy, you know, God isn't infinite. So you give God a gift. Yeah. But Hashem is infinite, he doesn't need gifts, so that, that becomes the question. It's kind of like the Akedah question, too. Yes, so anyway, so, but either way, our Kabbalah is a very awesome concept. And uh, so therefore, on the one hand, since it's been removed from us, we have no connection to it. But Hashem did a great chesed, and even though we don't have the actual Kabbalah, we have an order of prayer, and in that, we have the idea that our lips will replace, to some extent, what the Corbanus was, because it was such an important thing. When we had the Beis HaMikdash and you had all the service, people were able to draw Ruach HaKodesh. You could draw down Ruach HaKodesh from the Beis HaMikdash. Uh, even when the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed and the Jewish people left their lofty levels and couldn't do any of these things, still it is a very important topic that we have to understand. As in the covenant between the parts, when Hashem told Adam to take various animals, the whole essence of the bris was via the korbanos and Part of that was, what if we sin? What are we going to do? Will we still get Eretz Yisrael? And Hashem says, yes, you can bring Korbanos. And then, according to the deeper Mephorshim, they say, and if you don't have the Korbanos, you can at least read the Korbanos. Okay. So, therefore, this idea has so much to do with our bris with Hashem. That's what Korbanos has to do. Okay. And also, another aspect which we see is the whole, you know, there's six orders to the Talmud. And one of the six is Kachim. And that is completely dealing with animal offerings in the basement from start to finish. Now, it's very interesting in the times of the Gaonim, it said anybody who knew four orders of the, of the Talmud was called a Talmud Chacham. He who knew five was called a Rav. He who knew all six was called a Gaon. And Gaon is the Gematria 60, because there's 60 tractates, so to speak. But General Talmud Chacham knew four orders, Moed, Nazikin, Nashin, and Kutchim, because they were relevant to uh, to uh, what had to be done. However, that was when we had a base on Mekdash. 
Remember, they said, Migash, what are you going to learn Kachim for? And the Chavetz Chaim said, if you really believe in Mashiach, you should learn Kachim. And that's why he instituted a kolel to learn Kachim. So and that's what you have now. Now you have him brisk. That's what brisk is noted for. Their learning is in Kachim. So there is this concept. Korbonos are very important. And when we're going to have the base of Migash, we're going to have Korbonos. So it is an invaluable tool. We just have no idea how important it is. And therefore, we at least want to have some connection to it by learning about it. Because you have to remember, the, 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 the korbanos that we do are sourced in the Torah. So that is the source of korbanos. So though we may not have the korbanos to do, but the source is still there. It's the Torah of it. And as much as action is very important, but learning about it and knowing about it and wanting to do it, there's a lot to be said about that as well. And therefore, if we say the Karbonos, we may not be scholars to be able to learn Kachim, but if you're saying the Karbonos and you at least understand it on a very simple level, that this this is how this is how you brought the Korban Tamid. This is what you did. This is what they did with the Katoras. You don't have to know the esoteric stuff, but just on the simple level, and your kavana is, and if we had a base on Migdash, I wish that we would be able to bring it. And whatever benefits that come out of it, we hope that that would accrue to us. So, but still, if we don't understand why we brought Karbanas at all, then the reading isn't going to help much either. So therefore, we have to figure, why is Karbanas that important? And it's a dafke at this place. Now, we said it's dealing with the world of Asiya. And the world of Asiya is the world of action. It's very nice. And we said, first, you have to, you know, have your own, understand what your body is and what you appreciate, what Hashem does for you on a physical level, what the way you are. But then what you do in the world of Asiya is Korbanos. But we have to go deeper to appreciate where it connects to the next realm. It'll probably take at least uh, two sessions to get through this properly. So we start with the most common explanation, and that is of the Ramban. And the Ramban himself in Vayikra gives an explanation. One is what he calls remez, a hint, and the other one is sowed, a secret. Well, we'll spend the time on the remez right now. That's about all we can understand. It's a very famous idea, but later on, Rapinkas takes the idea and gives it a lot more context, and you'll appreciate the deeper understanding of the Ramban. But the simple Ramban with the Remes is as follows. He says that we know that people, when they do things, everything we do is either thought, speech, and action. Everything we do. So when we do an Avera, for example, we are engaging thought, speech, and action to an Avera. So now when you do a sin and you bring a Corbin, we want to repair the areas we damaged of thought, speech, and action. So one of the actions that you do is you take your hands and you press down on the animal. That's an action. That's smicha. Speech, that's the vidui that you say, the confession that you say. And then when we burn, and when also when we burn the animal and the innards, certain parts of the innards, where that really is the source of a person's thought and a person's drives. And other parts are, you know, like say the legs and the arms, that's part of action, so to speak. 
and then we sprinkle the blood on the Mizbeach, that parallels the blood in our soul, in our nefesh. Okay? So therefore, to understand that we have sinned with every part of ourselves, our goof and our nefesh. And really what is happening to this animal should be happening to us. And it should be, our blood should be spilled, we should be totally burnt. Had it not been for the kindness of Hashem that he takes in exchange, and the Corbin could bring atonement, so it's his blood versus our blood, his soul versus our soul, his body parts versus our body parts. Okay? And, um, and the different, you know, everything that's there, we're very much parallel to them. And that, when you see that, that will have an audio-visual effect on us, and it will encourage us to do tshuva. That's the simple shot. And this is what Rav, 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 uh, Pincus wants to elaborate on. <clears throat> so, first point, he says, that there's a lot of things in this world that when you see the item itself, it really, there's no way of telling what it's really for unless you have knowledge of what it's for. If you look at something, sometimes you have no idea what it's for. So, for example, if you don't know what it is, and you would look at a telephone, and you look at the outside of a cell phone, it does not say anything about what it could do. Unless you have some technology background, you have no, just because it's shaped this way, does that mean it could create sound waves? And you could speak to somebody in the other part of the universe? We, we have no idea. You know, you're just pushing some buttons. What does pushing buttons have to do with speaking to people? So really, it's not easy to make the connection by just seeing the item. Okay, that's a general rule. However, when we come to mitzvahs of the Torah, Torah is Hashem Timimo. The Torah Hashem is wholesome. And that means whenever there's the will of Hashem, even though there's a very deep inner will besides Hashem, beyond the external, but the external will still express what the Ratzon of Hashem is in the mitzvah. It means there's always a, a, a connect, not a disconnect. You see what's being done, and you can understand what it's accomplishing to a certain extent. Okay? He gives an example, a number of instances. Let's say blowing the shofar. Okay, we blow the shofar. Before we blow the shofar, say, Mina Meitzai Karasika, from the straits, from the narrow place, I call out to Hashem, Hashem, answer me with expansiveness. Okay, so what, what do we see when we say that? What is the shofar supposed to do? Open up that which is closed. That's what we're saying. From the depths I'm calling out. So now, blowing the shofar, Hashem reveals what is hidden. And therefore, the mouthpiece of the shofar is narrow, and the outside is wide. So therefore, that simple meaning of the shofar, or as the Rambam says, is that the sleepy people should wake up. Right? The Rambam says, even though the mitzvah of shofar is a, is a decree from Hashem, there is a hint. Wake up, sleepy people and search your ways and do tshuva. So when you hear the shofar blowing, you know, oh, there's an alarm, something we are alerted to. Okay, so we should alert ourselves towards Hashem. 
And then Hashem will move from the throne of judgment to the throne of mercy. And the tool that does this is the chauffeur. So we're waking up ourselves, and we wake up ourselves. Hashem takes notice that we're waking up ourselves. And therefore, from the depths will come out amazing things. So that is, you, you see some connection over there. If you ask a goy, walks in and says, what is a very special moment? And just watches. So you ask a goy, what do you think is going on? Some kind of siren. So what, what, when you have a siren in Yerushalayim, now what is it for? <laughs> Get moving. Don't be asleep. Get out, you gotta save your life. <laughs> Well, it's exactly happening on Rosh Hashanah. Exactly saving your life. And we're not just take any noise. For that, we can already take a regular electrical alarm. No, it has to be a ram's horn. Fusep is a ram's horn. Wow, because I'm a Venus. took the ram. So it's not like out of left field. Right? If you want to say, well, just have an alarm. What do you have to have a ram's horn for? It has to be narrow in the front and expansive on the, on the outside. To show that although you're in trouble, you can get out of this problem. Or how about another example to show joy? So when we have the harvest time, especially when we're joyful, we take a a beautiful, uh, we take four species. A pre-H hador, a beautiful fruit like the esrog, and etc. all the four things, all right? And now we are expressing the expansiveness of nature. And together we shake it all around. So this arouses a simcha that is going through the whole world because the world, if everything grows, it shows the blessings of Hashem are coming into this world and it's a very happy time. So we don't do that. We don't blow a chauffeur on Sukkot's time to show that, oh, the world is doing a lot uh, agriculturally. <laughs> We don't. We take agriculture, especially agriculture that really needs a lot of rain. Okay, so that is supposed to give us joy towards Hashem, or matzah is meant to be the bread of faith, right? And that expresses how we got out of Egypt. So you see, you know, we talk about chametz and all these ideas, the eight So we understand these ideas; they're not so remote if you really think about them. Why are you eating this matzah? Well, it's, it, it can't be leaven. It's bread that's not leaven. So what, what, what's that all about? Okay. So that's the point. The whole point of the external behavior of the mitzvahs is to arouse our external senses to realize there's something deeper, very much connected to what our senses are experiencing. So therefore, Judaism is a holistic experience. It's not just in the mind. Your mom is taking real things and doing real behaviors with it that gets you to understand what's going on on a deeper level. The same thing with filling. I mean, everything. It's not just take a bunch of boxes and this and that. There is all kinds of understanding. Clearly, safer Torah, all these things we take from animals. That means the Torah is meant to elevate our animalistic tendencies and you could take the, an animal, which is like the most physical thing, and make it into a safer Torah. That's holy that if it falls, you have to kiss it. So that's what a Torah can do. It can humanize the animalistic part of a person. 
it's not so far to understand these ideas. Okay, fine. So, and also, unfortunately, how about we do Averos, God forbid. The Averos itself, the physical Averos, are, are expressing a negative spiritual dimension that's there. Well, let's say a person is speaking Lashon Hara. Okay, so it's like a voice going from one end of the world to the other. Right? You know, so it's like you're saying something bad about travels. somebody. Right? Your voice travels. Are you prepared to take such terrible words into the Kodesh HaKadoshim to go between the two Kruvim, your Lashon Hara? And the Shekhinah should reverberate with this? No. So you have to realize what you're doing. When you're doing things that are bad, you, you, you could see behind that what's going on in that as well. You're taking one of God's greatest gifts and you're using it for evil. You can understand how terrible that's why Lashon is one of the greatest sins. Because speech is the greatest gift you could have. And you're taking that great gift and you're doing an Avera with that. So that's going to be the same thing with Corbin. We have to work to say with the Corbin. So we have to understand, let's start from the beginning. What is an animal? That's the first thing you have to start with an animal. What is an animal? Why we take it? Why we slaughter it? Why we burn it on the Nisbeach? What is the action? And what is that action really saying? But uh, And then we'll understand it much deeper. So the Ramban gave us that first step. Okay, and what we did was really to uh, get the person to realize he acted like an animal. Okay, that is one point. So what he did to the Corbin really should be happening to him. That's a beginning. But we got to take it further than that. Okay, so now he's got a few introductions. This is always the difficulty. I'm going to mention tonight in the Rambam class as well. Any good idea needs a lot of introductions, and some people run out of patience by the time you get through the introductions. Uh, present company excluded. <coughs> That's why everything in the world now is only two-minute sound bites because yeah. people don't have the patience to get through everything. But anyway, so now, so let's see. Uh, every action we do really arouses something from above uh, of, of things. So it gives an example. For example, uh, uh, he says, how do we know Hashem puts out tefillin? Did it bring a pasuk? And it says, well, what is it saying God's tefillin? It says, Who is like you, the Jewish people, a unique nation in the world? That's what's in Hashem's tefillin. So Hashem puts out tefillin, whatever that means. But there's a difference between our mitzvahs and his mitzvahs. In our mitzvah, in our tefillin, it says, Shema Yisrael. In Hashem, it says, Mika Amcha Yisrael, Goyechad Baretz. But there is a connection. What is it? This one has to fill in, that one has to fill in. Now, it doesn't say when Hashem puts on tefillin, but what's logically to say? When we put on tefillin, we get up at the Vasekin minion to put on tefillin. Hashem gets up at the Vasekin minion, whatever that means. So we first have to know what's going on in our world, and then we can know what's going on in the next world. Everything we do here brings a chef up. Down, but we gotta know, and exactly to what we're doing. So you put tefillin on that shows Hashem, I'm wearing your ornament that you have given me. Hashem says, and I like wearing the ornament you gave me. It's the tefillin about you. 
So there's always going to be a very similar parallel worlds going on. So now we have to say, what is the point with the Corvus? Now we go to another important point. There are certain activities that we do that the essence of the activity is the whole reason why we do it. I'll explain in a minute. And there are certain things we do that's really not for that, but it's for the result you want to see that comes out of it. And it's mainly to make a point, but not to get what you're doing done. Let's give an example. Um, you know, um, if you buy a blender, go to the store and buy a blender. Oh, we know exactly why you bought the blender. Because you're going to blend up foods. Don't be a rocket scientist to understand that. A blender, you buy a blender to blend up foods. I need foods to be blended. Very practical thing. And I bought a blender because I want to blend up foods. I like them to be very soft and smooth and liquidy. That's why I buy a blender. Okay. Okay. Let's say you buy your wife a diamond. Okay. Now, what is she going to do with the diamond? She's going to put it in a, her, her, what do you call it, jewelry box. Right? Okay. Now, this is supposed to be a gift, right? The question is, what do you do with it? Do you blend up things with it? What's the utility? It has no utility, right? If you give her a blender, she at least can blend up the food she's going to eat. Right? You know exactly what you're doing. So, dear, this is what I bought you for Hanukkah. I bought you a blender. It says, oh, that's so good. I really needed a blender because the last one broke. And now I like to have my smoothies. I got a blender. So the question is, which gift will your wife appreciate more? A blender or a diamond ring or diamond whatever? So now you got to understand the words of Chazal. The words of Chazal in the Yalkut Shimoni says, on the Tehillim, Lam al Shoshanim Korach, to the conductor for the roses, flowers, to the children of Korach. And they give a motion <coughs> to a king who enters a country and the people in the country want to crown him with a crown of, of gold, etc., with beautiful gems and all this. So they say, listen, the king doesn't need gold. He's got tons of it. Well, that's what you're going to give him? Give him flowers. And the people were happy. So too, the children of Korach and their group. They, 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 uh, so th does Hashem really want, um, what do you call it, fire pans of gold? That's what Hashem says, what do I need your gold? I got all in the world. What do I need Ketaris for? I don't need that. You know what I want? I want flowers. So Korach says, okay, we'll be the flowers. Says, good for you. If you remember the previous class when we talked about Shoshanus Yaakov, and in the Hanukkah, Shoshanim, that means tshuva. So what can you give Hashem that he doesn't have? Flowers. Flowers is a code for tshuva. That's something. Hashem's got everything, but your tshuva he doesn't have. I guess it could be a code for tshuva when you give it to your wife. Oh, exactly. That's why when you're in trouble, you give your wife flowers. Exactly. What do you think? It's out of nowhere? But there's more to this, right? So Chazal revealed to us that to Melech, you don't give him gold, you give him flowers. So what does that really mean? So they say, well, there's two types of gifts, right? 
uh, sometimes you give someone a gift because they don't have something and they need it. You really need a blender. You don't have a blender. And you buy them a blender. Wow, now I can have smooth foods. You gave me something I really need. But sometimes you give them something you don't need, so then what comes out of it is the expression is, I just want to give you something. And there's no utility for it. But it means I have feelings for you. The less utility and the more money means the more feelings I have for you. It's not practical. Right? And that's the famous idea. You never give your spouse a gift of something they need. Give something that shows your love. Okay? So, uh, so too with the king. Um, when you're going to give the king something, he says, well, can you, I have everything. So it's got to be the expression that's in the giving. And that's where flowers are better than other things. Because a ring is an inanimate object. A flower expresses growth. Uh, flourishing expresses love something that's more alive so to speak and that's where the idea comes to give the flowers but not. now certainly they'll enjoy a diamond ring too but again it has no it has no real value but it's pretty it's a very pretty thing so you know if I give you something you need anybody can give you something you need but for me to say, I really love you, and I want to express it not just in a utilitarian way, but in a way that really shows that I have the love for you in that. And that's why you're better off giving flowers. Now, of course, my wife doesn't like flowers. Now, you could have some women who are not that emotional. That was the famous uh, skit with the, uh, with the honeymooners where, um, where uh, Ralph... That's the husband, yeah. Goes to Norton. Or the other guy. I don't remember exactly. Anyway, he says, what do I give Lucy for her birthday? Oh, no, no. No, who's that? Fred. Fred Mertz. Oh, you're talking about I love Lucy, not... not... Oh, what did I say? Oh, no. I'm sorry. I love Lucy. Sorry, I love Lucy. So Fred... I'm a maven in this. Fred goes to Lucy. Fred goes to Lucy. What do I get Ethel? So she says, well... Says, I was thinking of getting her a blender. Don't get her a blender. Says, get her a dress. Beautiful dress. You think he knows how to get dressed? He said, Lucy, buy the dress and I'll give her the dress. Fine. She gets her a beautiful dress. So it's her birthday. And what's his wife's name again? Ethel. He's got Ethel here. Says, she opens it up. She says, What's this? When am I going to wear such a dress to go to fancy places? You should have given me a blender. You don't take me anywhere. <laughs> okay. So, so that's the point. So we're going to have to stop it here. But now we're going to see what is the Corbin now. And what we're going to get to tomorrow is the Corbin is that is the flowers. That's what we have to explain how. we got a long way to go. But this is going to be the way to express our greatest gift we can give to Hashem. Because he doesn't need anything. So what are you giving him? So this is going to be like the flowers, and we'll see tomorrow how that exactly works.